Good morning, and welcome once again to Mind Matters, our series of bridge talks and lectures. I'm Carol Meng. Today we'll talk about Chinese women and business in 20th century China. Dr. Jackie Wang from the University of Hong Kong found out how the changing social norms of the era provided a fertile context for women to explore different paths in the commercial realm, extend their networks beyond the family, and leverage powers of modernized institutions and technologies. Dr. Jackie Wang was invited by the University of Hong Kong to give a talk entitled "Endangered Enterprises: Women and Business in Modern China." So my research investigates Chinese women in business in 20th century China using several case studies、um, and using several female figures as case studies. My work repositions elite Chinese women by shedding light on their contributions to business enterprises as entrepreneurs and businesswomen, and it gives individual agency to narratives of Chinese female entrepreneurs and businesswomen and Republican China. And covering the early 20th century and focusing on the 1920s and 30s,、um, my work shows how the changing social norms of the era provided a fertile context for women to explore different paths in the commercial realm, extend their networks beyond the family, and leverage powers of modernized institutions and technologies, including the bank system and court systems. And the Republican period saw a thriving and competitive market in commercial Shanghai. And the period that I look at,、um, it remains markedly little studied in regards to women and business, especially women's roles as entrepreneurs, owners, and managers. So, what were women's roles in business in Republican China, and how did women's participation in business enterprises change and grow over time? And what were the factors that shaped the changing perceptions and dynamics of female entrepreneurship in China? And my research attempts to answer these questions by tracing the stories of individuals who founded, co-founded, owned, or managed business enterprises in Republican China. And it focuses not exclusively on female entrepreneurs, but also on businesswomen and their connections to different business institutions. And by incorporating gender and business history, that present a narrative of these businesswomen and female entrepreneurs, while analyzing、um, the historical notions of women in business.、Um, and the period and setting in this work have been closely studied by scholars of Republican Shanghai,、um, and in, in particular, scholars have frequently investigated the economic activities that grew and prospered in Shanghai in the late 19th and early 20th century. Um, making the city a setting of consumption, culture, and commerce,、um, and active in the pursuit of these commercial activities were entrepreneurs who set up businesses, factories, and investment initiatives in treaty ports and within the city center. And Shanghai also comprised of individuals who predominantly came from other places outside of Shanghai, and their ties to their native place brought groups of business elites together, shaping their business activities and the social order in Shanghai. And this group of business elites became a class of their own in what Marie Claire Berger calls the golden age of the Chinese bourgeoisie. And Berger examined the forces that shaped the rise and the gradual decline of this class of bourgeoisie from the assertion of the Kuomintang and then the Communist Party. And what's more, past scholarship has studied Shanghai as a place of tensions with its cosmopolitan identity forged by both Chinese and Western influences. And the city has also been characterized by the political instability that saw its varying effects on responses from this class of elites. My scholarship further scrutinizes this group of individuals by adding a gendered element, focusing on Chinese women's commercial production and bringing their contributions as businesswomen and entrepreneurs to the forefront. 
Um, and in this study, um, the terms businesswoman and entrepreneur um, require sort of definition and clarification. Distinctions exist between businesswoman, and female entrepreneur, with each one following a different approach to business. Um, and both terms I use within this, uh, within my research. And a broad definition of businesswoman is a woman who's involved in works and commerce, while an entrepreneur is one who starts a new business. Um, and economist Joseph Schumpeter's definition of entrepreneur goes further by emphasizing innovation, uh, with entrepreneurs viewed as individuals who exploit market opportunity through technical and or organizational innovation. And he distinguishes the entrepreneur from the business person who runs the firm on established and traditional lines. And adopting these uh, definitions, my work is not as concerned with the extent to which ca Western capitalism shaped these Chinese women's business. Rather, my research attempts to uncover previously understudied or unappreciated Republican era Chinese women in business. And it seeks to reposition elite Chinese women to illuminate their contributions in the commercial world. And while several of the individuals in my research are not perfect examples of uh, the entrepreneur definition, their cases highlight the role they played in the development and direction of businesses in a multitude of industries. And most importantly, they reveal how business forged their identities as individuals, family members, and members of society. And I argue that individually Chinese women in the early 20th century extended themselves through their network of resources and made strides in conducting business work related to business management, ownership, and entrepreneurship. And their business activities were shaped by their networks, mobility, and versatility in straddling moving across different spaces of production. And as my study shows, the pathways to entrepreneurship uh, for these women and the opportunities afforded to these elite women, they were multifaceted and varied. So what this work contributes, um, at first, um, I present Republican Chinese women in the context of business activities. Um, and my research looks at Chinese women production from the top down, from positions of power. Um, and it shows not only the significance of their money-making work domestically, but most importantly, their entrepreneurial endeavors in the public realm. And while historical literature has often emphasized elite Chinese women as consumers and parasites, there have also been a plethora of literature on Chinese women's production in the domestic sphere space, as well as the production of female workers and laborers. And my work repositions the categorization of elite Chinese women in Republican China and to contest the boundaries of business to illustrate their multifaceted commercial roles within both the domestic and public sphere. In attempts to reevaluate the boundaries be between work and home, while bringing to the forefront ideas of elite women's commercial contributions from the top down as entrepreneurs, owners, and managers. And previous scholarships often uh, utilize a narrative that characterizes Chinese women primarily as consumers and laborers, um, making their commercial roles as business creators almost um, marginal in public and Chinese history. And with my work, um, I attempt to contribute to this historiography on consumer culture and business history by presenting Chinese women in the context of business activities. Uh, within the commercialization of Shanghai in the 20th century, this work looks at varying business activities um, by shifting the focus to the entrepreneurial and managerial roles of women. And foregrounding women's historical agency as business drivers and producers revises not only how we understand their economic evolution, but also the origins of their roots toward business. And then secondly, it gives individual agency to the female figures and institutions to highlight the nuanced experiences of these Chinese women and their respective businesses in a Chinese context. 
And my research attempts not to investigate Chinese women in business in its entirety, but rather to scrutinize the individual experiences of Chinese women in business to illuminate the process of their commercial production and the ways in which they navigated their positions in a time of concepts of, dif of different concepts of womanhood, um, emergent discursive figures, and legislative changes to women's property rights. And I do not provide an exhaustive list of Chinese women in business, but rather to present a few individual cases to highlight the multitude of factors shaping their four ways into business, with each case representing a theme. And third, um, I emphasize the professional, social, and kinship networks that facilitated business opportunities for these elite Republican women. Their family networks, in particular, created opportunities unavailable to most Chinese women of the time. Um, and several women highlighted in this work came from or married into bourgeoisie or commercially oriented elite families. Many of these individuals were prominent figures, and a multitude of historical and biographical accounts have been written on them. While there may be some overlap with these accounts, my study provides a micro-perspective on these individual women to explore the conditions under which they engage in business, rather than focusing exclusively on the individual on the women's individual narrative. Um, my research pays considerable attention to their families, as well as institutions and networks financed and built by the family, both natal and marital. Amongst the historical scholarship on Chinese business history lies much work on Chinese business enterprises and corporate structures tied to networks and kinships. And much of these debates within the field of business history center on how the issue of the internal dynamics of a Chinese family enterprise worked and the role of the family in Chinese enterprises. And my study offers glimpses into the experiences of individual cases while analyzing the context of family, marriage, and women's social networks in shaping these women's business activities. And while some of the figures came into contact with Western influence, this work is not invested in comparing their ventures with Western business model, but in how they navigated changing family dynamics and elite networks that both hindered and facilitated their endeavors. And by combining business and gender history, this work deals with a multitude of issues related to women in business in modern China and how these individual women responded to different social, political, and economic conditions. And using a multitude of source materials to examine gender through the lens of business, my work emphasizes individual agency while also engaging with collective agency by illustrating the indispensable role of families, marriages, and friendships in examining the contributions and achievements of female entrepreneurs and businesswomen. listening to Mind Matters, where we just had Dr. Jackie Wang from the University of Hong Kong summarizing her findings in the research. Next, she will go deeper to help us understand how the changing social norms allowed women of the era to explore different paths in the commercial realm. So my work thesis is divided into five chapters. It's linked topically and by time period. Um, and each chapter focuses on a theme that consists of different women in a different business. And as I turned this into a manuscript, the sub this structure is subject to change, and I welcome any uh, suggestions. 
Um, the stories told in this work all begin in Shanghai, uh, where it's centered, and it makes crossovers to Taiwan, Hong Kong, and the United States. And it proceeds chronologically and thematically, focusing on the 1920s and 30s, and continues post-1949. And each chapter consists of different women and a different business, and common themes tie together these case studies. The success of many of these female entrepreneurs were, was predicated on their natal and marital family ties with Shanghai as a setting for employing their fashion sensitivities and cultural capital to further their cause. Uh, the first two chapters focuses on how elite and socialite women navigated property and commerce in the 1920s and 1930s. And the third chapter devotes itself to an institution that existed from the 1920s to the 1950s, uh, the Shanghai Women's Bank. And the fourth and fifth chapters deals with um, archetypical uh, female entrepreneurs in the 1930s and, the deal and their dealings post-1949 inside and outside of mainland China. And through these chapters, um, we're able to locate different places of commercial activity to reveal women's roles in business. Some of their contributions in business can possibly be deemed as marginal compared to those of the men. Nevertheless, these chapters show how their identities shifted in relation to their business maneuverings. And their stories also reflect shifting gender roles as well as a shifting backdrop against which enduring gender roles were performed. And by analyzing the actions of female entrepreneurs and businesswomen, um, my research comments on the intersections of gender business in discussions of how women contributed as entrepreneurs and business owners and managers in modern China. And while several of the individuals are not perfect examples of entrepreneurs, their cases highlight the role they played in the development and direction of businesses in a multitude of industries. Most importantly, they reveal how business forged their identities as individuals, family members, and members of society. So the first part uses the case of uh, the Sheng family, headed by um, the industrialist and Qing uh, official Sheng Xuanhui, um, to highlight um, changing property laws and how it shaped women's rights to inheritance and property, while providing the context of the role of family networks and individual women's involvement in managing property. It shows that in their personal and family lives, uh, within the changing legal landscape in Republican China, and in the context of a newfound business venture, elite women like Sheng Aiyi, uh, who was Sheng Xuanhui's daughter, they were active agents in their pursuit of property while also um, passive in the pursuit of business outside the domestic realm. And the chapter reshapes ideas about women's involvement in business through property and to contest the boundaries of what it meant to amass, manage, and invest property once inherited. And it shows how Sheng Aiyi, um, how she navigated uh, these new legislation, uh, the Republican Civil Code in 1929-1930. Um, and it shows through her case how um, inheritance was realized in the court system for daughters. And it shows how women leveraged the new laws to obtain property for themselves, uh, the ways they invested property, and how they utilized property thereafter in business. And in exercising the right to claim property, the work reveals that property rights, when realized in the legal system, was more complex than imagined. Um, furthermore, their subsequent business property finances often rested with the family, namely the male members. And while it was possible in some cases for uh, the civil code, the ideology of the civil code to be realized in court, off the legislative courtroom, women handled their individual property, family property, and collective business property in a multitude of ways, depending on uh, the types of demands placed on the individual women. 
So my second chapter focuses on socialite women, um, prominent uh, women on the social scene and the ways they use their public positioning as socialites to pursue and promote their business activities alongside the support of male kinship networks. So this chapter provides a detailed glimpse into the endeavors of several women, including uh, Tang Yong, Wu Xiangman, and Zhang Youyi, um, who are pretty uh, prominent um, and well-known women within Republican Chinese history. Um, and the contributions that socialite women made to the commercial realm in white 1920s and the 1930s uh, with their clothing company, Yunshan. Um, and this chapter examines how socialites harness their position, connections, and style to market um, goods and services for commercial purposes in the public sphere. Um, and it, without shedding their inherent identities as prominent figures in the Shanghai social scene in what would seem to be hindrances to other pursuits, these women took advantage of their socialite identities to market their clothing uh, venture Yunshang uh, with such marketing ventures like a fashion shows and other social events. And it shows how Tang Yang Lusaman lent their skills in the social, social sphere and utilized the currency of their social class to the task of advertising the commercial products. It also shows how men, husbands, fathers, and brothers played critical roles in enabling, providing access for their for these women's commercial and public activities. So my third chapter looks at the Shanghai Women's Commercial and Savings Bank, founded and run by a group of elite women from 1924 to 1955. And although it emphasized gender in its initial formation as a, as a women's bank, um, the bank ultimately pursued similar business strategies to other banks, with both men and women working behind the scenes to uphold the institution. And the bank was also a manifestation of discussions on the role of women and served to enhance what was being articulated in various Republican-era newspapers and magazines. Uh, the chapter also dissects bank president Yan Shuhua's role on the bank, as well as the involvement of vice president Zhang Youyi, whose brother was, at the time, the general manager of the Bank of China. And while seemingly founded and marketed towards women, um, this chapter reveals how the gendered aspect of the bank readily faded as male figures upheld the institution. And the bank continuously evolved with the changing social, economic, and political climate. And although initially marketed as a women's bank, um, my work argued that it ultimately served the functions of a normal bank as the gendered aspect of the institution readily faded, and much of the inner workings and power structure presided with men. And I recently turned this research on uh, the Shanghai Women's Bank into an article uh, that was published in the Business History Journal, Enterprise and Society, in October uh, 2022. Um, and the fourth chapter turns to uh, the case of Dong Zhujian, who is a self-made entrepreneur, um, and it explores how she navigated the complicated the intersection between business and politics, and it delineates the shifting priorities of Dong Zhujian as she took on the opportunities presented to her in the 1930s and 1940s in opening up um, her restaurant and tea house called Jinjiang, as well as her dealings post-1949 with, uh, with the political shift. Uh, and she was portrayed as a Nora figure in China by various publication mediums. Her story um, after divorce illuminates the fragility of female entrepreneurs in Republican China and the political networks involved um, in business maneuverings. 
And lastly, um, the last chapter gives primacy to family business, and it shows how women in large family enterprises contributed to the business process as entrepreneurs using the case of Wu Shunwen and her marital family's business. And the chapter traces an industrial business enterprise grown from social and family ties, as well as access to Western ideas and resources, and traverses across borders post-1949 into the early 1980s. And it analyzes the firm, often construed as a, quote, masculine enterprise, and female family members' role in such a family firm. And this chapter also places Chinese family enterprise in a transnational context and outlines women's roles within such commercial endeavors using the case of Wu Shunlin. And it places Wu in the context of marriage and family when viewing her contributions to business as an individual and as a family member. She was active in the business process within the family system and built upon the family business as an entrepreneur, running businesses spanning Shanghai, Hong Kong, Taiwan, and the United States. And she was acquainted with both domestic and foreign capital and influences. And with these cases, proving exceptionality in each case can be difficult, but in viewing each case highlighted in this work, we can derive patterns of business activities as well as factors that shape their business decisions. And my research has shown as well, daughters from prominent business backgrounds had access to networks and resources. Once married, their property and business activities became entangled and associated with that of their husbands and, and marital families. And while these cases cannot be definitively argued as exceptional, illuminating women's historical agency in business as entrepreneurs and businesswomen provides not only our understanding of their varied experiences, but also the origin of, of their evolution as business creators, producers, and, and managers. So the undertaking of this project posed many methodological methodological challenges in piecing together a narrative on Chinese women in business in Republican China. And I've, I've utilized a wide array of source materials to piece together the stories amongst a larger historical um, intervention, um, especially with gender history. The sources are always um, a, dif a difficult challenge. Um, and with attention to individual narratives, um, one major component of my research to to reappraise how journals, memoirs, magazines, newspapers, and archival documents contain a nuanced record of businesswomen undergoing a change, uh, both inside and outside the commercial world. Um, so that being said, archival record and databases from the Shanghai Municipal Archives, Academia Sinica, and Academia Historica provide a documentary evidence. Um, historical newspapers and women's magazines and journals offer also offered a plethora of information on individual cases and the discourses on women in business. Uh, narrative accounts, memoirs, and biographies are also utilized cautiously in this work as some of the female subjects may have been anxious to present themselves advantageously in their later years. Uh, moreover, some of the materials are written by their family members, which complicates the perspectives of their stories. And I was also fortunate to contact some of their descendants, um, including Xu Zhimo and Zhang Yi's descendants, as well as uh, the descendants of Liang Qichao. And in building a picture of these individual women's past, I've used these materials cautiously to provide specific nuances in how they conducted business, the problems they faced, the people they encountered, and the choices they made. And in terms of the methodology, I scrutinized the individual experiences of Chinese women in business to illuminate the process of their commercial production and the ways in which they navigate their positions in a changing landscape. And my intention was not to 
provide an exhaustive list of Chinese women in business, but rather to present a few individual cases to highlight the multitude of factors shaping their four ways into business, with each case representing a theme. And certain cases are utilized and some are excluded based on the availability of sources. Through the significant, through the perspective business, I show that Chinese women navigated in a variety of industries and contexts to expand themselves in both the private and public realm. My research has shown that the businesses created through these women's, Chinese women's commercial ventures were shaped by their individual ideological, political, and personal priorities. And some of the common themes within this work were Chinese women as drivers, commercial enterprises, the personal and kinship networks that shaped their endeavors, the individual agency given to these women whose identities were fluid and shaped by opportunism. And in some, my work shows, first, while historical literature has often emphasized elite Chinese women as consumers and parasites, there have also been literature on Chinese women's production in the domestic space, as well as the production of female workers and laborers. In my work, repositions the categorization of elite Chinese women in Republican China, to contest the boundaries of business to illustrate their multifaceted commercial roles within both the domestic and public sphere. And it reevaluates the boundaries between work and home while bringing to the forefront ideas of women's contributions commercially from the top down as entrepreneurs, owners, and managers. And as this work shows, these women continually straddle and cross these boundaries. And second, my work gives individual agency to the female figures, institutions, to highlight the nuanced experiences of these Chinese women and their respective businesses in a Chinese context. And then most importantly, shows the non-linear pathways of business for these female figures as managers, owners, and entrepreneurs. And last, um, my work illuminates how these Chinese women and their businesses were shaped by their familiar professional social networks. And while their individual navigation of business varied, family connections played a paramount role in shaping their involvement in various business ventures. And with these case studies, my work puts Chinese women at the center, recovering their commercial contributions and business experiences within a changing Chinese society. I think uh, when people hear about the work, they, they are surprised in many sense. It's like, oh, women did business in, in that era. They, they, most people are, are surprised by that. Um, and for sure, a lot of the female sort of entrepreneurial figures in that period were not as well known today as some of the male figures like Liu Hongsheng and uh, a lot of the red capitalists. Um, then one of my cases on uh, Dong Zhujun, uh, she was the founder of uh, the Jinjiang brand. Uh, I think in her case, she is relatively well known um, in contemporary China because her sort of her business, actually, her brand still exists to this day. Um, yeah. It was turned into uh, her restaurant and tea house was turned into uh, a hotel in Shanghai um, that was used um, when Nixon visited um, China. Um, in the early 1970s, and it was where um, they signed the Shanghai Communique. Um, so she is, I think her case, she's one case where people are know about her or know about her brand um, as she was in a sense forced to give up, give her, give her business to um, the communist government in, the, in 1951. Um, so there are certain cases, but very, very few, not as much as, as the male figures there was a huge shift in in how in how they conducted business or even um, sort of left the country or even um, given up their businesses in a sense. Um, I think post 1949, I think it was a 
different landscape in a sense. Um, obviously, the, there was uh, a lot of societal shift on sort of women's empowerment, women's roles. Um, but I haven't looked too much into sort of post-1949, the entrepreneurs who started then. Um, but in looking at the cases that started in early Republican China, um, with their cases, they certainly had a huge shift post-1949. That was Dr. Jackie Wang from the University of Hong Kong. I'm Carol Meng, and I invite you to join me next Sunday morning on Mind Matters. Thank you.